What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 163. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. Also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is so much more than food. It truly is a lifestyle. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also don't forget to come hang out with me on Instagram and YouTube. I'm Brown Vegan on both of those platforms. I hope you're having an amazing day. I am, you know, I just feel like really good. I just came back from celebrating with some family in South Carolina. We had a surprise retirement party for my dad and we had like both sides of the family there so good we had such a good time so I just feel like so much love and gratitude it was so nice to be around everybody because of COVID you know a lot of times we haven't been able to get together over the last couple of years so it was just it was just incredible and I'm just so thankful for that time Today on the show, I have Christina, and she is the owner of Juice For Us. It's located in New Jersey. And in our conversation, it's going to be a mix of veganism and entrepreneurship. You know, my favorite topics. Had to throw that in together. And of course, we're going to start off by talking about Christina's journey, why she decided to become a vegan for health reasons. Some of that inspiration came from her family. Just some of the things and, you know, how that looked in the beginning when she first decided to become a vegan. And then we're going to also dive into her growing her business. She started off in a small shack. We're going to keep referring to it as the shack (laughs) where she was selling juice. And then she was able to pivot over to having a food truck where she has juice and smoothies and sandwiches and all of the goods that people really enjoy. The best part to me is that Christina does this right in front of a McDonald's, right? It's very, very intentional that she's parked in front of the McDonald's serving delicious, affordable vegan food. If that ain't planting a seed, I don't know what is. Another part of our conversation that I really enjoy was the fact that Christina was very open about making the shift from being in corporate America to owning her own business. Some of those things that she thought about, how she was hesitant for, you know, which is normal. And I just love how she was really open about that experience, as well as some of the requirements that you need to consider if you do want to open up a food truck. She gets a lot of questions about it. I know that that's something I'm interested in, not necessarily open the food truck. I'm just nosy. I love the behind the scenes. And I'm sure there's some other listeners and, you know, other people who are interested. And she kind of breaks all of that down. 
As always, you can find the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com. And I also want to shout out a listener. Thank y'all so, so much for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Like I told you before, it's an easy way to and a free way to support the show and let people find out about us. So I just want to quickly shout out a mom's life for leaving her five-star review. The title of the review that she left is Great Guest. And she said, love this show. I always learn something new. Thank you, girl. <laughs> and yes, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, search Brown Vegan, scroll down, tap five stars and leave a review and let me know what you think of this show. Are you enjoying it? If you have specific episodes that you're enjoying, topics that you like, let me know. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Christina. I became vegan right before we started Juice For Us. So it's been about probably around six years now. And my choice to go vegan was more rooted in health issues. So my family has a lot of diabetes, like a lot of people with diabetes and not just you know, regular old diabetes, like loss of limbs, loss of sight. And so once I started to see that happening around me and also watching some of the documentaries that many of us watch to learn more about the changes in lifestyle, it just, it just felt like the right thing to do. I'm the oldest granddaughter in my family. And I felt a little bit of a responsibility to like make a change in, in what was going on around, around me. I started to feel changes in my body too. I was probably around 145 pounds at my at my heaviest and I'm 411 so that doesn't sound like a lot but for a tiny person it was a lot and I felt it in my ankles I felt it in my back I felt it in my mood I felt it in my spirit so yeah so that was really the driving factor behind it is really health really wanting to prolong my life and also just to change the eating habits of the the family that you know my future family so yeah. it, it was more of a gradual process. So I didn't do it cold turkey. I didn't just say like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And that's it. I did it very gradually. So I, I really chose really like one meat at a time. So I, I, I grew up Puerto Rican. Well, I am still Puerto Rican, but I grew up eating <laughs> lots, lots and lots of meat. Like that's basically the staple of, you know, rice, beans, meat, and some sort of starch, whether it's plantains or bread. And so that is difficult to give up. And that's when that's all you were, that's all I ate all the time. Right. So pork is, was a very big part of most holiday celebrations and, and breakfast meals. So that was the first thing I gave up was pork. And then after that, I went to beef, turkey, chicken, fish. And then the last stuff was the cheese and the eggs. So when you were giving it up, though, were you like replacing it with something else or you just didn't have anything in that place? How did that look in the beginning? Because that's, you know, I like the way you did it because I think that's actually the smartest way to do it. But yeah, where were you eating now that you made that change? So what I try to and this is what I usually tell people, too, that I think is really important when you're making any kind of change, because it, it when you're thinking of what you want to like take out of your diet, it always feels like, oh, this is such a big sacrifice. You know, so I always tell people, well, what can you add to what you're eating? Mm -hmm. So I would just be adding more fruits and vegetables into my diet. So I was still having my mom's rice and beans because they're vegan. I can still eat them. And I would just put more veggies on my plate. 
and start to take out that stuff. And little by little, I started to see see a change. In the midst of that too, I also did a 40-day fast where essentially guided me through the process. So at that point, when I started the 40-day fast, I had already been down to fish. So I had given up all the other meats and I was just down to fish, eggs, and cheese. And that first week of the fast was the last time that I had all of those three items. And then after that, you know, it was like salads and juices and smoothies and herbs and all that kind of stuff. So it really helped to clear my mind even more mentally. And by 20 20 days, like halfway through that 40-day fast, I was like, oh, this is, I'm good. I'm good to go. So once I completed that 40-day fast, the process was pretty much done. I also had a great support system at that time too. And I think that sometimes that's not mentioned enough. I think that's a very difficult, that's a, that is a big part of this people who are trying to transition that don't have the support to do so. It can feel very defeating and you, it's, yeah. it's easy to fall back on. So I think the fact that I had someone else there along with me doing it, we were doing it together. It made things much more easier because you just, you don't feel alone. Even if you're going at it at different paces, you're still working towards the same end goal. Yeah, that's so smart to have somebody do it with you. So when you were doing the the fast, were you eating anything or is it like juice? What were you doing during that time, that 40 days? It was set up in a way that it was it was gradual. So the first week I was still able to have like cooked foods, but by the end of the 40 days, it was pretty much straight raw. So like just salads and juices and smoothies, lots of water, tea, that sort of thing. It was mostly just that salads and I would have, I would do lots of roasted veggies and quinoa, you know, and a lot of that is the same stuff that I cook to this day. I keep it very, very simple. My meals aren't fancy pants. (laughs) Well, you have to keep it simple because you have, you have the food truck that takes up so much of your time. Yes. Yes. What made you decide to go in that direction? Because, well, actually, no, before you had the food truck, didn't you have a brick and mortar? Didn't you have like a space? Like an actual storefront? No, I mean actually before before I had the food truck, I was I was I was in a whole career. I mean, I have a master's in social work, so I worked in community mental health for like thirteen years before oh, wow. I even did a food truck. Yeah, so I was in a totally different space, different world on my career path, and then I realized that there is a glass ceiling, I, and I was very close to seeing it. So it, it was time to make my exit. Yeah. So what made you decide to start Juice for Us? Like, what was the first step of that? I know, of course, you eventually got to the food truck, but what did you do before you had this? Didn't you have, I thought you had like a a brick and mortar, like a actual storefront before you started. Before we had the food truck, we had just a small juice shack, which was kind of like, it looked like a tiny house. And it was like a trailer. Yep. It was like a trailer. And we were just selling juices and smoothies out of that. The idea for Juice for Us It's interesting because there's so many different factors that contributed to it. I think, first of all, it was the fact that we had changed our diet. So in us turning vegan, it really, it cleared our minds. Like I was able to think clear, think of things that I wasn't able to think of before. And I don't, I don't really know the science behind that, but I just know that my thinking changed a lot after I changed what I ate. And so I was just thinking of more big picture. Like there, there's more out there than, than what I've been presented with up until this point in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so me and my partner at the time, we were looking for a way out of our nine to fives. We just knew that there was more that we wanted to do. And we looked at the skills that we have 
and mm-hmm. what's out there and what's not out there. And, and this is what we decided we could bring to the market. And it turned out to be something pretty amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So were there a lot, you're in New Jersey, right? Yes. Okay. So were there a lot of juice businesses at that time when you start l- looking at, looking into it, like researching it? So here's the thing. There's tons of juice bars, but there's none like ours. <laughs> so there's there's very few black and brown owned juice bars, almost none that I could really that I even really know of when I was doing any of my research. And a lot of the juice bars just had juice and then maybe had, you know, small grab and go products. But they didn't also have smoothies. They didn't have food. They didn't have the culture, the vibe. They didn't have any of that. It was just, it was almost like a copy and paste version of of each other. You know, they all had very similar ingredients in their juices. And so we wanted to to put our own flair on it and, and do it our way. Yeah, I love that. So... When you started everything up in the, you, you always call it like a shack. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, it is because it does. It's, I have to send you a picture of it because it is. You have, yeah. Yes, you always call because I'm like, I need to see what this looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started everything up and you decided to go, what made you decide to go to the truck? And the reason I want to know this is because when Jerome sent me a DM and said that I needed to meet you. And I went to your Instagram and I love right away. I knew I wanted to talk to you because in, in your bio at that time, because I know that the truck is, is cold now. So the truck's not out. But at that time, you had something like we're parked by McDonald's on purpose or something like that. Mm-hmm. What, what is your tagline? What is it? Yeah. Parked right in front of McDonald's on purpose. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what made you decide to go from the shack? The sh- Girl, Christina, I don't want to call it a shack, but that's what you call it. Okay. okay. What, made you- <laughs> what made you decide to go from the shack to the truck? So the truck was really part of the, the big vision all along. So we knew when we started with the, with the juice shack that that wasn't going to be it. Like it was going to grow from there. So it was always going to be juice shack and then grow into the juice truck. We just didn't, and, and then grow into the food truck. We just didn't know when, you know, how that was actually going to all play out. But, you know, the part of the, the big vision was to always keep it, keep it going. We actually purchased the food truck. I think it was about a year or two into us, into us having the business. We had purchased the truck. So the truck, the truck was actually sitting for some time. We just, we got a great deal on it and we were not going to pass up that good deal. So we were like, we knew we weren't ready to build it out yet, but we had it. So we had the truck sitting for some time before we actually started really putting in the work for it. Because when we purchased the truck, all it had was a huge serving window. <laughs> if you see a picture of our truck, our serving window is humongous. All it had was that big serving window. Some of the electrical was set up. The flooring was kind of halfway set up. And that's about it. So it was pretty bare. We had, you know, we had to, we had to totally build it out. It was a lot of work that we had to do on it. And, you know, we took our time with it. To cash flow it. That's what I want to talk about because I love the fact that you told me that you, you guys cash flowed everything as far as a truck and you like to run a cash flow business, which I think is so dope. I love that. And as far as a truck, did it take a lot of money? Did you have to put a lot of money into getting it ready? Or because I know initially you were just doing juices, did it make a difference with the smoothies and juice or was it a lot of money that went into it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not being going to lie. It was, a, it was a lot of money to, to put into the, the truck to get it going, but it wasn't as much money as it would have been 
one, had we outsourced it to another company to do all the work or had we tried to purchase it fully equipped from the jump? You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it, it, it was nowhere near what we had to put into the, the small juice shack. It was, you know, it was a lot more than that. But it also gave us the time to really figure out, okay, what is what's important for us to purchase new? What are some things we can get used? What is the priority of what we need now? What can we purchase after we after we open, you know? And so like an example of that we had when we first opened, we just had this our this huge freezer <laughs> that was like from our parents' basement. And, you know, the health department doesn't require every, you know, some stuff you can, it doesn't have to be super commercial. So we were, we, we passed with that big, ugly freezer (laughs) and, but it did, it did the job. And after we had a few events and we profited from that, then that, then we knew, okay, that was the first thing we were going to purchase new and replace that out. And that's what we did little by little. And so I think that's important to really keep in mind too. Everything doesn't have to be new. Everything doesn't have to be 100% ready for you to get started. I think that that's really important for people to, to understand that, especially when it comes to the food truck business. Yeah, I love that. I love how you basically took the money from the shack to build the truck. And you said when you say events, are you saying that you did some catering and other things or what were you doing? So most of the time we were doing farmers markets, which we really enjoyed. We did some vegan events. We did some festivals. That was pretty much it. So when we when we first started with Juice for Us, pretty much the first two and a half years of our journey, I was still working full time. Oh wow! Even though we're celebrating our five years, it's really just this past these past two years that we've really been super duper full time with it. Meaning, like we have an actual location, we're there several days a week. You know, we're not just kind of trying to find places to go and things to do. So. You know, those first those first two and a half years, it was really, you know, you have to see, is this going to work? Although I was ready to to leave my nine to five and 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 just get it going because it was it was so exciting. It was something new. I was able to use all my creative ideas and bring them to life. You know, something that you can really call your your own. Of course, you're ready to just say, you know, bye bye to everything else I did before. I'm ready to give it all to this. But because we were funding it with our own money. We knew that we had to be responsible about that. So, you know, we, we could, I couldn't leave until I really knew that it was I could really make this work. Yeah, that's actually the smart way to do it, because then you don't have like that that desperation or that pressure of, OK, not only do I need to make sure that I can pay my vendors and do all of those things, but I got to make sure I can pay my bills at home, too. So that was really smart to just wait it out just to see. Yeah. The other part of it, too, is that a lot of times there's a whole nother piece to this of like emotionally preparing yourself to leave the corporate world. Mm. And so, mm. you know, I didn't gr- grow up with family members who were business owners. That wasn't really, you know what I mean? It wasn't something that was instilled in me. So I had a, I, a whole mindset shift to really continuously remind myself, like you're the boss, you're in charge of all of this. And so really in a sense, kind of compartmentalizing, what are some things that I can take from the nine to five as I look around me now with this new mindset that I can implement into my business? And what are some things that I need to leave behind? Because they're no longer going to serve me as I move forward. Give me an example of that. Yeah. What is that? What do you mean when you say that? 
Well, and it's something that I'm really still learning even five years after the fact. And I try not to be so hard on myself about it because it's like I was 13 years in that world. I'm only five years in this one, you know, so it's going to take some time for me to fully understand and and learn everything that I need to in order to have a truly successful business that I'm, I'm trying to have. But I think the the one thing was scheduling. I think a lot of times people see entrepreneurs and just think of freedom. Like, you know, this lifestyle is, is full of freedom. And I think that, yes, I don't have to be up at, you know, 7 a.m. To, to drive to work, to sit at a desk, to do, you know, I, that's not the case. But your day still needs to be scheduled. You still have to yeah. schedule your day. So that was something important. And systems, having real systems in place. And that could be anything from, you know, your Excel file of how you're keeping your bookkeeping. That could be a very specific employee manual for the employees that you're hiring that talks about your culture and not just all the, you know, other corporate stuff that needs to be included in that. You know, doing a cost analysis for all the your menu items. You know, it's just a, a lot of stuff that I wasn't necessarily paying attention to when I was in the nine to five world. That once I was leaving and even after I left, I was like, yeah, that's still important here. And I, I, need, to, I need to not just leave that whole life behind and think that I'm just, you know, starting this. They, they, they still very much fit well together. And, I, and I, need to, I need to, some of these skills are transferable and I need to make sure I'm transferring them right on over. Absolutely. It's, it's wild because we have the flexibility, but I feel like I work more than I ever did <laughs> before yes. now than I did before, you know? So yeah, yeah. That's like a misconception. Like we're having all this fun and we can definitely do that, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work running your own business for sure. Yeah. The freedom really comes in your expression. We have a freedom of expression now in, yes. in the entrepreneur lifestyle, but you don't have the freedom of time. That, that comes... That's like, you got some time before you get the freedom of time. <laughs> okay. You got to put in the time to get that. <laughs> you got to make it. And that's why the systems, like you said, and all of that is so important. And you can be able to get to a point where you can delegate. Do you have some help on the truck? How many people do you usually have with you? Especially, I'm, I'm thinking like on a weekends when it's probably the most busy. Do you have people in there helping? Or are you pretty much running this by yourself? The past two years when we really got the the truck up and running and had and were open for at least five days a week was, you know, the biggest growing pains from the five years that we've been open. And there's been a, a majority of the time where I've had to do it myself. And I learned the hard way that, you know, it's physically impossible. I just can't. If I want the business to grow, I can't be the person greeting the customers, making the smoothies and making the food. Like, you know, of course we have patient customers. People really enjoy our food. They enjoy our service. But as women, we can do it all, but we're not meant to do it all. So it's just, no, it's just we, shouldn't. we need to like, <laughs> we have that thinking needs to change. And I, and I had to change that for myself. But, you know, of course the person that's going to be working alongside me is not going to do it the way that I do it. But that's not, that shouldn't be my top priority. I need the support and I need the help. So this past year, we did have a few different employees and that's probably been the biggest challenge is just being able to, you know, consistently have some really dedicated people who want to give their time and, you know, and their creative energy to helping make juice for us what we believe it should be. So this year is going to be different when we open up. And I think 
part of that is because of the break that we've had in between time, I've been able to put together some systems. So, you know, I've taken some responsibility for like, okay, what, what's not going the way that I, I would like it to go and, and how can I change that? So, yeah, so this year we're hoping to have at least two part-time employees that can then kind of switch out and, and have a nice solid team on the truck. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Cause I know that that, like you said, is a lot, it's a lot to be able to get reliable people who can make this come together for you. So yeah. Okay. So we got to get to the McDonald's cause I really want to talk about. Okay. So as the truck, where is the truck position? Is it directly in front of it to the side? Like where is the truck? It's literally right in front of it. Yep. Literally right in front of it. Literally right in front of it. Okay. So when people come up to your truck, and I'm going to make sure that I have a picture on the blog post so that people can see bright and beautiful this is. Okay. <laughs> when they come up, do they usually, what do they say? Because most most likely they're pulling up because they're trying to go to the McDonald's, right? Yes. So we, okay. we are very like, this is a judgment-free zone. So if you come up to the truck with your fries or your McDonald's bag, we are not judging you at all. We are happy that you're coming to give us a try and you can keep eating what you'd like to eat. And we hope that eventually you know, that will change and you'll just, you'll just be coming to us. But of course the design of the truck is very eye catching. Mm-hmm. So it catches people's attention and, you know, people find it funny. They're like, Oh, bold move, bold move. You're parked right in front of McDonald's, <laughs> you know, like let's say something like that. But most of the time they're really just curious. They're curious. They're excited that there is an actual option within their community that is affordable and also healthy and that's all we're trying to be that's all we're trying to do so i love it what are some of the the most popular items on your menu so we have a a buffalo chicken sammy that is made from fried oyster mushrooms with like a nice garlic buffalo sauce and like a hemp ranch on a pretzel bun so people really like that sandwich that sandwich was a hit this past season We also have a toasty roasty smoothie that's made from butternut squash. So it's kind of like a pumpkin pie smoothie, but we don't use any pumpkin in it. We use roasted butternut squash instead. We'll really like that as well, too. And for our juices, we have a juice called this one's a keeper. It's pear, apple, cucumber, kale. It's like a simple blend, but it's nice and sweet without being too sweet. So people enjoy that as well, too. I love how you mentioned the affordability part, because I think that that's one of the things that keeps a lot of people from trying new foods. So do well, not necessarily trying new foods, but when it comes to like, you know how it is a lot of times with vegan restaurants and just anything that's plant based, a lot of times is way more expensive than a McDonald's, you know. So as far as the pricing, have you heard anything about that? I know your goal is to keep it affordable, but, you know, that's objective. So have you heard any feedback as far as how it aligns with some other options in your area? We have, and we're very transparent with it. I mean, on our Instagram page, I do a lot of videos that are, you know, some are for other business owners, but for the average person who is just watching it, they get an idea of like what it actually takes to to cost out an item so that you know what's kind of going into that price. I think it's important to be transparent about that. Mm-hmm. People know that you're not, I'm not selling you the the food for what I purchased it for. Then I wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know, right. like, that's not how this, that's not how this works. So we just really tried to educate people when they have questions, we answer them. There, there's nothing that we're hiding from people and we're not overpricing anything. So yeah. we also want people to keep in perspective that 
of course it's going to be more money than McDonald's. Of but course. You're not, yeah. you're not, you don't, you were saving you a medical cost for 20, 20 years from now. So don't, okay. so don't worry yeah. about, you know, don't worry about that. But for the most part, people have a general understanding that, you know, it's real food. So real food takes time. This is not fast food. It's not going to be out in two minutes and it's not going to cost a dollar. So I think, I think for the most part, people have gotten past the expectation of what it should be and understand that it's, it's time, it's love, it's real food, it's fresh food. You, this is what it costs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love how you took the, you're taking the time to educate though, because I mean, it's one thing, you know, we, we know that I feel like at, most people at this point pretty much understand that, you know, like you said, real food, love, care, all of that costs a little bit more to do those things. But I like the t- fact that you took the time to educate your audience as well about that, too, because that's important, you know, knowing that where it's coming from. Because some people and I know people and you probably know people like this, too, who didn't really grow up eating vegetables and, you know, just eat whatever. Junk food, processed food is like the norm to them. So having that information is really important. So I love that. Yeah, part. absolutely. And even, you know, we have so over the summertime, we also try to keep our food as seasonal as we can. So, you know, we're not going to have a mango smoothie year round. It's really only going right. to be, you know, May and and through the summer. And so we also serve seeded watermelon juice, which is like a huge hit. People love it. And they're always asking, where do you get your seeded watermelons from? Where do you get your seeded watermelons from? And, you know, some people might want to keep that information hidden, but it's like, it's, it's enough for all of us around here. Yes. So, yes. you know, we're very open, like, Hey, if you go to the, you know, the farmer's market, or if you drive in on the, to the parkway, there's a guy on the side of the road, he sells the seeded watermelons. You know, we, we're very open with sharing information in that way. And we want people to not be afraid to ask questions. There's nothing, you know, we're, we're very transparent in that way. Love it so much. One thing you told me, Christina, that I really, really admire about your mission is the fact that you want to always have your business in food deserts, which I think is so, so important. Can you tell us what makes you think that? I mean, not what makes you think it. Of course, I know why. But can you tell us more about that? It goes back to our mission. So our mission, we really want to inspire, educate, and, and enhance the people within our culture and within our communities. So that's what's important to us. If The reason why I even changed my lifestyle was for my family. And so this is really just an extension of that, you know what I mean, to, to continue to help other people to do the same. And mm-hmm. I live in a food desert myself. And so I know the struggle <laughs> to be like, I don't want falafel. I don't want any, I don't want, I definitely don't want fried chicken. I don't want any of what's offered here. And, mm-hmm. you know, why every new restaurant is just another version of, of an unhealthy option. Like, why, why can't we have other options around us? Why is the produce at our local shop right? you know, crappy, like why isn't there a farmer's market here? So all these questions and all these frustrations that came up, then realizing, oh, I actually have the power to change that. And here's a way that I can do that by setting up my business in an area where they don't have options. So now that now they do have those options. And East Orange was a place that we chose. We actually would be at their farmer's market. They They used to have a farmer's market one day a week. It was during the day, during the week, and we really enjoyed just being at that market. And we would do other like music festivals in East Orange. And just in general, we had a, a good support from the community 
in that area, in, in Essex County as a whole. And so when we were looking for a location to park, that was the first on the list. And so that's where we decided to park. Yep. Yeah. Did you have to do anything special to get permission to park there? Is it like permits or things that go into it? Yes, there's a there's a million things. <laughs> okay, so because I know that you said you get a lot of questions from people who want to start a, a food truck. So I definitely want to go into that part. I want to talk about like the permits. I want to talk about things that people need to consider when they start a food truck. So go ahead and take it away. In my experience, and I am part of some other food truck groups online, so I hear how things go in other states. But New Jersey just they they really don't make it easy for you. So there's there's a lot of fees, there's a lot of licenses, and there's a lot of red tape that you need to get around to open up a food truck in Jersey. But it is possible. So I'm I'm opening it up with that, but this is not to discourage anyone because we did it. So it's absolutely possible. But there's a misconception that, you know, you get your truck and then you can kind of just pull up anywhere and and do events anywhere and and that and that, that's not really the case. So wherever you go, unless it's an actual private event, you need a license for that town or that city. You need approval from the fire department if you're cooking on your truck and you need a certificate from the health department. And all those three things cost money. And none of the fees are the same. So it's all going to vary on what town you're in. They, they just decide how much that's going to cost. So it can be anywhere from $125 for your yearly license. It could be over $500. It varies across the board. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so the first thing is going to be just really deciding where, where do you want to be set up and then reaching out to the, the city clerk in that town and seeing, do they even allow food trucks? Unfortunately, a lot of towns have ordinances against food trucks. So some of the towns that we were interested in would, didn't even allow us to park. So that's important to keep in mind, but also to not be discouraged by it either. Because although there's many that don't allow food trucks, there are many that do. So I always encourage people to go in person to your city hall or your city clerk, because you want to be able to form a connection early on. And you got to kill them with kindness. <laughs> That's important too. <laughs> it's not going to be, this is not a pleasant process. You're going to be told no. You're going to be given several different answers to the same question, but uh, going in person and creating that connection is going to be very important to the process. When it comes to purchasing the actual truck, you have lots of options. If you, if you want to do it the way we did it and, and build it out yourself, uh, you can go on to Facebook Marketplace. You can go on Craigslist and try to find a, a truck through there. You also have the option of getting a trailer. Trailers actually seem to be more spacious inside than a food truck. And the trailer, you would just hitch that onto your onto onto you know a pickup truck that can haul it, and you park it wherever wherever you have your license. There's also lots of companies out there that will build out the truck for you inside. There's lots of individuals who who might not be parts of big companies, but know how to do that work and can do it for you, you know, like your local handyman. Yeah. And there's just so much to talk about when it comes to food trucks. I really, sometimes I don't even know where to start because we've done so much (laughs) as part of this journey. It's like, there really is a lot. I mean, that alone was enough. Like the fact that, because I didn't even consider that. Like, oh yeah, that would make sense that you would need a license to be able to do this and, and cook the food and the fire department and all of that. So that is a, a good start right there. Did you 
when it comes to like the accounting part, because I know that Erin Hill told me that you helped her so much with that, like the behind the scenes and everything. When it comes to like finding vendors and all of those things, like has that been a struggle for you? Or do you, like you said, you usually try to keep it local with like the local farmers and things like that? I do. So I think the fact that we started out at at farmers markets helped out a lot because we had literally direct access to local farmers. Mm. So we were able to make those connections very quickly and we were able to barter some of our services as well, which was, which was great. And so that was a good start, but I think the rest of it really came. It was, it was just part of the learning process. So we had to essentially do it wrong before we did it right. What about the accounting part, though? Because do you set accounts like sometime each you know, week to make sure that you get your books in order? Like, what are you doing when it comes to that part? <sighs> it's a work. <laughs> it's a, so that that's one of the things that I really know that I need to delegate, like fully delegate it out. But it's been yeah. hard to to relinquish control over it. You know, mm-hmm. so I do, I do use QuickBooks. We do have an accountant and I, and I work alongside with him to, to do that. So he, he helps out with the books. He does our taxes at the end of the year. And so I think that's, that's an important piece of it as well is from the get go, finding a good accountant, finding yeah. someone who can do bookkeeping. If you can find someone who, who has experience with the food industry, that's an even bigger plus. That might not always be the case, but just, you know, someone that someone that you trust, someone that come that comes recommended, because that's going to be a really important part of all of it. Because you do not want those problems. You don't. You don't. <laughs> and you also really want to be on top of the numbers in your business. Yeah. And you don't. don't and QuickBooks is amazing. I love QuickBooks. It is. It yeah. is. If you use Square as, as like your POS, everything connects to it. It's very, it's very user friendly in that way. Being that you've been in business for the last five years, of course, you know, the world is so different now. How were you able to, like, make the shift during the pandemic? Because I feel like people weren't really leaving. Of course, we weren't leaving the house. So being that you had a food truck, how did you sustain during that time? Because, I mean, I feel like that would have been a time where a lot of people would have been like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me right now, you know? So how did you guys keep going? Yeah, that was actually a really interesting time during our business. And it was, of course, it was scary for all of us. So I think in the beginning when, when everything happened, we just kind of like stopped for a bit and just, you know, you know, we read the room. <laughs> okay. Right, what's going right, on right, here? Right. You know, what <laughs> this, okay, what's going on? What's really going on here? What do, what do we need to do? How do we need to pivot? What can we do? What can't we do? What worked in our favor though, is that at that time, during the winter months, we would always deliver our cold pressed juices. So we would, we would shut down for the for the season for the actual juice shack, but we would operate online and have a juice cleanses and just sell our juices that way. And so, mm-hmm. in that sense, it already was a you know contact free delivery. Like that's already how it was set up as it was like pandemic friendly. That part of our business. <laughs> so we waited for the right time to to bring that back around and it wound up being like our best, our best season ever, our best off season ever doing, doing the online ordering of the juices. And obviously, cause people were, you know, literally scared for their lives and they thought that juice would save them, but it was something that was great. And we, we got, we got a whole bunch of new customers that way. 
and word got out about what we were doing. So we we did that up until the summer. Actually, no, we did. I think we did that. Yeah, we did that as long as we could up until the summer. And then right at, at the beginning of the summer, we had gotten an email. So we always wanted to be parked at the beach. That was kind of like on our uh, on our like a uh, bucket list of places that we wanted to be is have a location at at the beach and be there in the summer and and serve serve the people the beachgoers and so one of the uh, popular beaches in Jersey is Sandy Hook Beach and we had been on their you know their email list for some time because it's very difficult to get in there it's like you know an actual waiting list there's only certain slots for food trucks and they're very selective with who they choose to go there and kind of once you're there you're there for a few years and so they they reached out to us offering like a limited contract season meaning just for just just you would just be there for summer season from from June until Labor Day. And so it was very exciting but we didn't have you know we weren't ready the truck wasn't ready like it it was the inside was done but we still hadn't wrapped the truck nothing. Oh wow. And so we had 10 days to get the tr- <laughs> get the truck wrapped, get the menu in order of what we were actually going to to sell, try to secure some help, pretty much everything. Get get the business all the way ready to go in ten days. Long story short, we did it, and that's why it's always like what they say: like you got you got to be ready when your name is is called. So it's like mm-hmm. even if you don't have the resources to do everything that you want right now, the stuff that you you do have control over and make sure you're getting that together because when your name's called, you got to be ready. And so I already had the design for the wrap. I already knew what I want, how I wanted it to look. We just hadn't gotten to the point of doing it yet because there really was no rush because we didn't really know what was going to happen. There was no, they weren't giving out any licenses for any of the towns, everything, you know, the world had shut down. So there was no, there was no rush for that. But in 10 days we got everything together and that was a beautiful, you know, summer at Sandy Hook Beach. So it was like a very like full circle moment. Like, wow, we had talked about this when we opened and we weren't even active. We weren't even actively working for it. But because we had put we had already put that out into the universe, that gift was given to us at the at the perfect time. And then after we finished at the beach is when we went for East Orange. And then we just went straight through for East Orange from October of 2020 we we closed down for february for just for a little bit in the winter and then we went straight through to november so really that's why we had such a long break this this year is because you know we've literally been non-stop since the beginning of the pandemic and we needed that time to just recharge get everything back in order it was you know it's it's a lot it's a lot for everybody now you have this energy to come back and you're ready when are you planning to open the truck back up we're looking to open up probably the middle of April, end of April. Okay. So we cool. still have some stuff that kind of have us at a standstill right now that we, we're working on behind the scenes. But once we get that taken care of, then we'll be able to be ready know, to go back up. Yeah. So I have to ask you this because you guys just celebrated your, you're coming up in the five years, which is amazing. Congratulations Thank for you. all of your growth. Yes. Where do you see your brand in the next few years have you had a moment I feel like because you're on a break now you're probably reflective so where do you see your brand in the next several years yeah I mean I I don't think I fully have put my mind around where I see it in the next 
in the next five years because it's just, I feel like so much has changed just within the past two years. Right. I know. (laughs) It's like, I have to have so many, like we could do this and we could do this and we could do this. I mean, the, the great thing is, is I have, you know, notes on my phone. I have written notes. I have ideas for days. So it's going to be something great, whatever it is. I do go back and forth with wanting a brick and mortar. And I think the reason why I go, I go back and forth with it is because one of the biggest issues with having the food truck is securing a commissary kitchen, which is like a kitchen that you work out of to prepare, your, prepare the food and stuff. And, and that's just really been an ongoing issue. One, because it's extremely expensive. And two, because they usually don't provide all the services that you need. So you might be able to use the kitchen, but you can't store any of your food there. We can't park our truck there. If it's like your local church or, or, you know, VFW or Knights of Columbus, you might not have access to it all the time. And, you know, there's just lots of pieces with that. And if I ha- if we had our own space, we'd have our own kitchen. We'd have our own storage, you know, and potentially we'd, we'd have, you know, easier parking for the truck. So those, those are some things that I have considered. But honestly, I really just want to see what's happening with the market, with the world around us to see how, how, how can we, you know, how can we adjust to what's going on around us? Should, should we have more trucks? Should we get a brick and mortar? Should we expand on this concept and, and you know, and bring something, bring something different? So I don't, I don't have a, a, a set idea right now because I have so many ideas. But I know for sure, Juice for Us will still be around in the next five years. We're not going nowhere. Yes, ma'am. So, Christina, tell us how we can follow you on social media. Tell us as far as more information about your location so that people can come check you out who live in New Jersey or near you. Yeah, just take it away. Okay, yeah. So we are, like you said, we're parked right outside McDonald's on purpose. You can find us at Juice for Us on Instagram and Facebook. And once we are back open, We'll be set up on Central Ave right in East Orange. So, you know, just just stay tuned to our Instagram page and our Facebook page. We we post often enough and we also give a lot of information about tips that are useful for business owners that are trying to do something similar. We're trying we're trying to, yeah. you know, we're not just here to feed, feed the community. We're here to feed the people's minds, too. So we're trying to give you guys some information that would be helpful in growing yourself and, and growing your business. I love it. Thank you so much for being on here. I'm so glad that Aaron and Jerome Hill introduced us. Ah, so am I. We're so yes. Thank you so much for sharing all your expertise and just spreading the love of juice and good food. I appreciate you so much, Monique. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.